Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's go to Mark's Gospel, Chapter 6 tonight. Mark's Gospel. Hallelujah. And we're going to spend some time here. I, uh, I want to talk to you tonight about something that we were taught many years ago uh, when I first came in to the, the full gospel uh, Pentecostal Word of Faith camps. We were taught along these lines and uh, sometimes you have to be reminded of things. How many know that? Because, you know, we tend to forget, don't we? And uh, sometimes I think Phyllis thinks that I think she is my professional reminder because I'll like, remind me of that, remind me of that. She just asked me to do something before this, we came to church. I said, remind me of that, write a note, do something because we have a tendency to forget, amen? And what I want to talk about, you know, I've titled this message over the years. I've preached on this. It's been a long time since I've preached on it, a few years anyway. Um, I've, I've titled it, you know, about what the mistake that, that uh, stops the anointing. But what I want to talk about tonight is, is familiarity because it is the mistake that stops the anointing of God in our life when we get familiar. Now, uh, what is familiarity? Well, let's talk about it. Familiarity is, let's, we'll just name a few things. It's the absence of ceremony. In other words, not making a big deal out of things any longer. I mean, when it comes to the things of God, that's real dangerous because it's a big deal, isn't it? Yes. Amen. Uh, it's, it's, familiarity is described as being unduly informal. In other words, you, you push it too far. You know, that, that's one of the things that's troubled me about the modern day church is pushing this church is just, you know, like Walmart. It's no big deal. It's just God's house. Yeah, it's just God's house. Amen? And that's a big deal. Uh, so, you know, you got to watch your attitudes about that or you get in trouble with God, you know, because those that honor Him, He honors. Those that lightly esteem Him, He lightly esteems them. That's what Samuel says. And so we have to make sure that it's just not, we don't get too inf informal. So some churches are trying to make it so casual and so, uh, you know, informal that it's lost its, you know, I just think God's people should uh, do things with excellence. Yeah. Amen. I think the highest calling in all the earth is a calling of a child of God. Right. Yeah. And we ought to do it with excellence. Amen. Yeah. Um, the word familiarity means to be ordinary. It's just ordinary. No big deal. Casual. Uh, not remarkable or interesting. Well, it's real easy for that to slip into your life. It, it is. You have to guard against it. I mean, it, it slips into marriages. And, you know, where, yeah, that's just my wife. That's just my husband. You know, when it does that, you, you could be headed for real trouble. When you get that so familiar with one another that you no longer love and respect one another. Amen. All right, I, you know, I know you talk about marriage, it gets quiet. 
But the reason it does is because you need it. We all need it. You know, you can get so, so uh, you know, informal. I, you know, when I was growing up, we were taught to respect authority. And, uh, you know, if you got in trouble at school, you was in trouble at home. Amen. If you got, if you got spanked at school, now's the days they could still spank you. If you did, you're going to get something at home, you know. And uh, so we were taught respect. We were taught, we were taught honor. And uh, probably not good enough, but we were taught it. At least we were taught more than what sometimes people are taught today and, uh, and so forth. And, and uh, so, so th- when we talk about familiarity, you know, it's just like things, we just start treating them just, you know, it's just, a, it's just church. It's just, it's just pastor. It's just another message, just another service. It's just God. Amen. And we have to watch it because it literally destroys the anointing. Or let me say it that better way than that. That wasn't a good way to say it. It stops the anointing. Um, so let's look at some scriptures. Is that all right? All right. Verse, verse number one of Mark chapter six, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, and he went out from there and he came into his own country. Everybody say his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day uh, was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished and, and uh, saying, from whence or where hath this man these things, or this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are worked by, wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now see, their problem with Jesus was they were familiar with him. He's just the carpenter from our hometown. Now he thinks he's a prophet. Well, how many know everybody's got a hometown? Everybody has kinfolk. And uh, you have to learn. It's like the, I think it's, it's 1 Corinthians 5, 16. Paul said, now, henceforth know we no man any longer after the flesh. We, we have to understand that God uses people, but the gifting inside the people, that's of God. Isn't that right? See, even David himself, you know, when, when, when uh, King Saul was chasing him, how many know King Saul was, was uh, the word that comes to my mind is worthless, <laughs> I mean, he, he just had some issues, didn't he? And yet David could have easily, easily killed him. But he, he, you will find this in Samuel, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel several times where he talks about he would not touch the Lord's anointed. He wouldn't do that. He's not going to touch him. He said, the day will come that God will take care of this. But I'm not touching. God forbid that I should touch the Lord's anointed. What was, he had reverence for that office. Even Jesus said this. Even Jesus said, that, you know, whatever the scribe, he told his disciples, he said, whatever the scribes and Pharisees bid you to do, do it because they sit in Moses' seat. But don't do it after their works. Don't follow their ways. Honor the office, even if you can't follow them. Amen? 
So, so there's, there's these offices that God, you know, God puts people in. We, you know, we honor the office. Amen. And so, uh, you know, we have to separate people from the anointing. Isn't that right? I, I remember one time, it was years, years and years ago, I was, uh, gosh, I, we, I wasn't, we weren't even married yet. I was probably 20, 22 or 23 years old. And uh, I was an associate pastor there at the Revival Center. And, um, you know, I, my, my job for the most part was to preach and to look after the flock. In other words, I would go check on the flock and go to the hospitals and that kind of thing. And uh, I didn't do any of the, the business part of it. Um, you know, that was handled by other people. Uh, but that was, that was my job, and that's what I did. And so one day, I, I remember, I was in uh, the, the, the metropolis of Winslow, Indiana. How many ever been to Winslow, Indiana? Don't blink, all right? But anyway... And I'm walking down, and this was when Winslow had a little bit more businesses than it does now. Uh, but I was walking down the street there, and I walked past the, there was a laundromat, and I see one of our church folks in there. Well, you know, I'm not out visiting people. I don't even know what I was doing in Winslow. I didn't live in Winslow, but I was there for some reason, which I don't remember. But I remember walking in that uh, laundromat, and they saw me, and I had on a pair of blue jeans, and they looked at me, and they were, they were just, they were blown away. They were astonished, because they thought I went to bed, and all my pajamas had ties on them. You know, because that's all they'd ever seen me. But see, I, I, don't, I don't wear this to Walmart. I don't go home. See, you ever see some of the old movies? They're sitting around dressed up, you know, and all. And I don't do that. When I get home, these, these, these nice clothes go off and the sweatpants come on and a T-shirt or a sweatshirt, depending on how cold it is. And that's the way I live. But that doesn't make me less anointed because I don't have a suit on. Right? I do this just, to, you know, because of my calling, you know. But, 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 but my point I'm making is, see, every, you have to learn to separate the person from the gifting and if you don't do that, they can't help you with the anointing that God's put on their life. But Jesus has given gifts, the Bible says, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They're gifts of Jesus. That, that gifting is Jesus's. It's just put in an earthen vessel. And we have to learn to respect that and honor that. And that's why, you know... You know, I know not all churches do this, and that's their own business. That's why I prefer people in our congregation address me as pastor. I want it to be, it's not because I need your, I, I, don't, I don't need built up. I didn't even want to be a pastor. It's just, it's good for people to keep that in their mind, that there's an anointing on my life to help you. And so, you know, what? Even, even myself, when I go to church, I don't ever call pastor, well, there's George, there's Fred. No, it's pastor. I'm going to keep that. I'm, only, I'm not going to let that familiarity get in there like this is just my buddy. No, th there's an anointing here. Now, some of them are my friends, but, you know, I still have that respect there and that reverence there for that calling. Amen. Amen. And now, so, so here Jesus, he, he's in his hometown, and uh, they can't get over the fact that he's just, he was the carpenter. He's got brothers and sisters. 
And I want you to notice what Jesus said to them in verse 4. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. In other words, listen, when we stop honoring the things of God, we're in trouble. The next thing that follows is unbelief. Read on. He said, And he could there do no mighty work except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. So because they didn't honor Jesus, unbelief crept in, and he couldn't do anything. How many believe he was anointed here in his hometown? Right? See, you know, I started my ministry in my hometown, and I faced that with some people. Most people you know, that I was around didn't know me before I was saved, but some of them that did, you know, uh, they had a little issue, you know, because they knew how I used to live. It's like I told you, one guy I ran into, that was like, I think it was this year, I ran into a guy that I used to play poker with, and we used to do things together, and uh, I saw him in a restaurant. I was in another city, and there, lo and behold, there sits him, and his wife. I didn't know his wife. I'd never met her, but I knew him. And so I go over to the table, and he says this to me after our greetings, you know, the, you know in court, and catching up a little bit. He says this to me. He said, I hear that you're a preacher now. I said, yes, I am. And he said, who would come and hear you preach? No, no, excuse me. He said, who would... His, this is his thinking. Who would hire you to preach? That's what he said. Who would hire you to preach? And I, you know, I just smiled and laughed. And I said, well, you know, the Lord does change us. I'm not. I, he says, I remember when, when he started talking about the things we used to do. I remember when we did that. Remember that? Uh, yes, I remember that. But I, God changes you. He gives you. He, he gives you some things. But all he could see was the old me the flesh me, the, who I used to be, and he was perplexed by that. How could, this, how could you be a preacher? I mean, you weren't, you weren't walking around with angels flying around your head singing the hallelujah chorus when I knew you. Well, guess what? They still don't today. Oh, they go with me, but, you know, they don't fly around singing the hallelujah chorus because I walked in the room. It's the gifting of God that makes the difference. Is anybody following what I'm saying? Jesus is anointed, isn't he? But, he, but now listen now, religion says he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do any mighty work. But that's not what the Bible says. It said he could there do no mighty work. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. You say, well, he's God. He could do anything that he wants to do. Absolutely, Jesus, Jesus is God. Absolutely, he was God right there. But the thing of it was, that's not how he was ministering. He was ministering anointed by the Spirit of God. See? And without the Holy Spirit, he even said himself, I can of my own self do what? Didn't he say that? Well, that tells you he wasn't operating as God because God can do all things, right? See, he was still, he was still God, but he, wasn't, he, he put on a man's body. He became, he became one of us, didn't he? Right? It said he became like unto his brethren. Amen. And so because... He's dependent upon the Holy Spirit to help people. When the people, you know, didn't honor him, he couldn't help them. He couldn't help them. Now, I've experienced this 
in, in a measure, nothing like what Jesus did, of course. But I've experienced it in a measure where you go to another church and they think, man, you, you are a big shot from somewhere. Now, I know I'm a little shot from nowhere, but they don't know that. You know, they think, man, big shot has arrived, you know. And uh, it's amazing what kind of services you'll have because they're really, they're honoring you. They expect something and uh, God's able to move. Amen. Now, let's look at this a little further. Come on, are you all are with me tonight? Yeah. Right, let, let's look a little further at this. Let's, we're, let's stay here in Mark chapter 6, but let's go to the end of the chapter. And I want you to go with me to verse uh, uh, 53. And this is about Jesus again. In verse 53 it says, uh, When they had passed over him and his disciples, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to, shore, to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship or the boat, straightway they knew him and ran throughout the whole region round about and began to carry in beds those that were sick where they heard that he was. And whithersoever he entered, into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets. They besought him that they might touch, if it were but the border of his garment. And notice this, as many as touched him were made whole. This is the same Jesus we just read about in the first part of the chapter. But quite a difference, isn't there? Quite a difference in what people are receiving. Now, why is it? Because this group of people honored Jesus. They gave him a different reception. Amen. Now, you know, I've been to churches. I don't know how many churches I have been in uh, in the last 40 years. I was trying to count one time just locally, just in this area. When I say this area, I'm talking about Indiana, Illinois, and Kentucky, just this tri-state area. I was trying to count, you know, just how many I had been in uh, just in this area here. And I got up into the 70s and, you know, lost lost went to sleep or something. But anyway, um, but you know, I, I, I began to think about, about that and I began to think about, you know, I have gone to churches that were hostile to me because my reputation preceded me. And what I mean by my reputation as being a person that teaches faith, a faith teacher, which some of you don't know this, but some years ago, that, that was a stigma because they preferred unbelief teachers and preachers. Am I, am I telling the truth about this? You know, and so my reputation preceded me. And for some reason, a pastor, he asked me to come, but I could just tell the congregation did not like me. And you just couldn't go anywhere. I could, you couldn't get the message out. You couldn't minister to people. It's kind of like what Jesus said. You laid your hands on a few people and hoped that they got something. I even prophesied one time in a service to a, late, to a lady. And after the service, she came up to me and said, I can't believe God used you to prophesy to me about my family. It was right on. She says, I don't like you. Well, I'm not sure I like her now. But the truth was, I didn't even know her. I didn't know her. But in those days, I was on the radio, and she probably heard me on the radio or something and didn't like something I said or didn't maybe, I don't know. Some people just did, they just didn't like the camp I was in. They just didn't like that. And sometimes pastor might have me in, 
And, uh, you know, and sometimes I'm not sure he liked me. I'm not sure why he had me. I went to one place one time, Phyllis will remember this, and we will leave the city unnamed. But we went, and I told her, I said, this place is embalmed in unbelief. I said, I will never come back here again. She said, if they ask you, you're not coming back? I said, no, I'm never going back again. And they asked me, and I went back. So I didn't keep <laughs> And I may have said the same thing after that service. I am never coming back here again. That's it. Because I, I don't feel like they believed anything I said. I don't think they received anything I said. Well, what can you do in that kind of environment? doesn't matter how anointed you are, how much gifting you have. You can't do anything because the, 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 uh, the, the, the honor isn't there. And that's one of the things that familiarity does. It causes us to stop honoring one another, stop honoring the house of God, stop honoring the men and women of God, maybe stop honoring our spouses. And when that happens, guess what? We're in trouble in our marriages or whatever. Wherever, whatever you don't honor will eventually probably leave your life. There has to be that honor there. There has to be that respect there. Amen? You know... It, just like in marriage, you, you have to honor. See, you, there's, there's three things. I don't know if I can remember them now. I've taught on them. I've written about them. But there's three things. You know, if you get your words right in marriage, I th if not, the way to have a good marriage is, number one, both people be totally sold out to Jesus Christ. It's hard when one is sold out and one's not. You can do it, but it's hard. Number two, you've got to watch your words. Number three, got to honor one another, which means you treat each other valuable. In other words, you matter to me, your opinion matters to me, right? right. Now, I'm a, I'm a man, and men always have to be right. But I have just learned by experience that usually I'm not. I know Mark not, hasn't learned this yet, but, you know, Jackie's still working on him, and we're still praying for Brother Mark. No. <laughs> How many know... After so many times of being wrong, you ought to get it. You know, I'll say, well, that was black. And Phil said, no, it wasn't. It was red. All right, it was red. I saw black, but it was red. Has to be. All right, we're moving right along from that. That, that wasn't good at all. That's bad doctrine. Bad doctrine. Amen. Now, but I want you to notice this, this is the same Jesus. <laughs> it's not a different Jesus. This is the same Jesus we just read said he couldn't do any mighty work. And here, they just want to touch the border of his garment. And they're being healed. It's just totally different, isn't it? Look at Mark, Mark 6, stay in Mark chapter 6. Um, and let's go to verse, let me see where I went. Let's go to verse 45. And once again, this is O King James, so the, the English said straightway or immediately. He constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before, go the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing for the wind was contrary unto them. And, and about the fourth watch of the night, he comes to them walking on the sea and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and they cried out. Well, let me stop there just for a minute. Let's put this in some context. You know, we, we, we read about Jesus walking on the water, you know, so we know this has been done. Amen. They haven't read this yet. Jesus hasn't done this. They're just out there. And something, some 
being comes walking on top of the water. How many know you'd need some extra tight huggies? Come on. I mean, you know, we read about it and say, well, well, it's Jesus. Well, of course, yeah, we know it's Jesus, but we've already read about it. They're living it. And so this freaked them out, and it says, uh, verse 49 again, when they saw him walking upon the water, they supposed it had been a spirit or a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said, hey, be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship or the boat. The wind ceased. They were sore amazed in themselves. Be, the King James says beyond measure or a, a super abundantly and wondered. Now, verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. Now, when you read that, you think, what does the miracle of the loaves have to do with this story? Well, I'll tell you, there's a point being made here. I mean, it's just talking about Jesus walking on the water, what happened, and then it throws in, they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. What does it mean? It's telling us that the disciples didn't even realize the multiplying of the loaves and the fishes by Jesus was a miracle. They had been around him so much and seen so many things happen, so many miracles, so many healings, that when he did this miracle of the loaves and took the five loaves and the two fishes and fed the 5,000, they didn't even get it. Their heart was hardened. They had become familiar with the master. But when, now listen, when he came walking on the sea, that woke him up. Something different happened in church today. I mean, oh, we can get that way. We can, well, what happened to church today? Oh, I don't know. That, you know, a couple people got healed and one fell out in the spirit. But, you know, not much. I mean, Sister Buckethead, she's, she went up for the 35th time to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Come on, are y'all, y'all be awful quiet. Well, I don't know, wasn't that great a service? Pastor just preached the word. Well, how many know if we got to hear the word, that's exciting. That's something to shout about. You see what I'm saying? But we get so familiar with God and with the moving of the Spirit you know, well, what happened? Well, there was just a tongue and interpretation. That's all. Not much happened in church today. I'm going to tell you what. The first time I heard a tongue and interpretation, it was a big deal to me. And I understand. I understand we, we learn and we, we, you know, we recognize what's going on. But it still should be exciting to us. Amen. You know, I, I realize when you first fall in love, you know, when you first meet Miss Wright or Mr. Wright and all that emotion and all that. I realize that doesn't last forever, but I'm going to tell you what, your love ought to just get deeper and deeper. I love my wife more today than I ever have. Amen. I'd probably do more for her today. Maybe not. I don't know. I start saying, I don't want to lie in church. I start saying, I'd probably do more for her today than I ever did, you know. I do know this. When I come down from my man cave, she's usually sitting there watching an old movie. Will you get me this? Will you go, and then I'll get her that. Will you go get me this? And 
And then I'll get her that, and I'll get, will you go get me this, you know, what I'm thinking. See, guys, you got to learn not to say everything you're thinking. I'm thinking, why don't you just tell me it all at once? Because you can only remember one thing at a time. All right. But how, how many know you, you still ought to stay in awe of the things of God? I mean, if we have a service and, you know, somebody's arm grows out, that's exciting, isn't it? We ought to get excited. But do you know if all we do is get to hear the Word of God, we ought to still get excited? Because that's a privilege. That's an honor. You know, every service isn't going to be the same, right? There are going to be services God moves in different ways. You know, learn to value it all. And learn to come expecting. Learn to come expecting. I look back, you know, we had a great move of God back in the 80s. And I was thinking about it one day. I'm thinking, what causes? You know, we talk about, well, prayer, we prayed. Well, yeah, prayer's part of it. Don't dismiss that. Or this or that or our faith or, you know, whatever. But I come to believe the reason why God moved so much is because we expected it. We were hungry. Amen. You didn't have to, you didn't have to feed us to get us to come to church. Oh, you had to feed us, but you had to feed us the Word. But you didn't have to feed us natural food to get us to come. Remember, Jesus said, you guys are only here for the food. Yeah. Amen. Now, I hope you get what I'm saying, right? So, so, so here in this passage, the problem is, is, you know, they got so used to Jesus' miracles. They got so used to the power of God that when the loaves, the miracle of the loaves happened, they didn't even realize it was a miracle. Their heart was hardened. And, and, but yet, when Jesus came walking on the water, it's like, wow, this is new. This is different. This is big, man. Something's happening. Well, something's happening even when we necessarily don't see something happening. Amen. And i tell you one thing. You know, you just never know what God's doing in, in one person's life in a service. You know that? You know, sometimes God will change an entire service for one person. One person. That's how much he loves them. Amen. I mean, he changed things up on me Sunday morning. I was really going to preach on this. Uh, it was my original intention. Uh, but, you know, God knows what people need. And I've said things in service, and I'm thinking, why did I say that? And I've said things I wish I could get back that were a little rough, a little hard. And I think, man, I wish I hadn't said that. And then later on, I find out, somebody said, man, I need to hear it that way. How I many know some people, have, everybody hears things differently. Some people you can speak sweet to them and they get them. Some people you got to yell at them. You know what I mean? How many, how many have kids and different kids? How many have different things work different with kids, right? So some kids, some things don't mean anything to them. And you got you to learn what works. And God knows what works with every one of us. Amen. You know, some people are motivated by, uh, you know, God loves you. You're wonderful. Some people are motivated by get right or you're going to burn. Whatever motivates you, God will use it because he's just out to help you, right? Yeah. Amen? So which is right? It's all right. It just depends on what's needed at the moment. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want to look at uh, one more scripture at least. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. We'll get out of the book of Mark and go to the book of Matthew. I say that for those that are watching because Brother Mark, I think, thinks he wrote the book of Mark. <clears throat> We've tried to explain it to him that there was another Mark before him. 
It was all, all marks are good. I know that. That's the truth. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, go there. And Jesus was teaching, once again, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, he said this in Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 6. He said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So there's a divine principle here. And, and the divine principle is this, that we determine, listen to this now, we determine how much God is going to do in our lives. Not God. If God had His way, how I many know He'd do much more in our lives than what we see? We should know this by the fact that, how I many know nobody gets saved unless they are hungry for it, unless they want it. They may not even know what they want, they just know they need something. And God will fill that. Amen. Like the man at the beautiful gate of the temple. You know, he, he said he looked at them expecting to receive something. He didn't know what he's about to get, man. He was expecting money. But he got his he got his legs back. A friend of mine said he asked for alms and got legs. All right, that's kind of corny, but anyway, how many thought that was funny? I mean it's kind of if you never have heard it before. Now, Proverbs, listen to this, Proverbs 27, 7 says, The fool so loathes a, hung, a honeycomb, but to the hungry so every bitter thing is sweet. In other words, it, we, you know, if, if you're full, what do we mean by full? Well, what, what we're talking about spiritually is you're just full of other things. Then you're hard to feed. But if you're hungry... Man, it don't take much to get you going. Hallelujah. You can get up and preach, Mary had a little lamb. I believe it. They're hungry. How many understand what I'm talking about? Now, I've seen that over the years. You know, just you go to places and they are hungry. They are hungry. And, uh, you know, but people that are full, full of themselves, full of their own agenda, full of their own life, full of what they want to do. All they can think about in the service is, what are we going to have after service? You know what I'm saying? You know, they're just not hungry, <coughs> and it's hard to feed them. And I used to think the problem was me. Really. I used to think, I just need to know how to present this better. <coughs> but after years, I've learned the problem. I, mean, I could have my own problems. Don't misunderstand me. I realized the problem's not me. It's them. They're not hungry. <coughs> you can't feed them. You ever tried to feed the baby with the mouth closed? You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> you got to, you do, you remember, remember those days, you know, with, with kids before you do the air, airplane, hey, open your mouth, here comes the airplane. Well, the same thing's true spiritually. If people aren't hungry, you can't feed them. But if they're hungry, man, they're ready to eat. I find out people complain about your, ser your sermon, they weren't hungry. All right. See, we got this modern stuff now, the Internet. You can get on there, and everybody is an expert on critiquing everybody else in the body of Christ. And it's just insanity. I, was, I don't even know how I ran across this. I ran across this the other night. And, this, and there's nothing wrong with 20-year-olds, but listen to what I'm saying. 
this 20-year-old has his own little blog, and he's critiquing this, this man of God who's now in his 80s. He's been preaching probably for 60-some, 70-some years. He's a man of honor. He's on TV. Uh, you know, I, he's not of our per se camp. And in what I'm saying, I don't know that he speaks in tongues. I don't know that he's, he's not full gospel. But yet, he preaches the, the, the basic cardinal doctrines of Christ right down the center where they're at in the Bible. He preaches a lot of good things. And something just came over me when I heard this little squirt. Pardon me, Jesus. Critiquing this, this listen, this is not honorable. This is, a, this is a general in the church. His name is Dr. David Jeremiah. I'll just say it. Right? We may not, be, we not, may not believe everything alike, but the man's an honorable man of integrity, preaching. You know, I, I have a deep respect for him. And I'm listening to this 20-year-old critiquing my thing. You little squirt, who do you think you are? When you've preached for 60 to 70 years and lived an honorable life for 80-some years, and are still serving Jesus and on fire, then talk. Until then, keep your mouth shut and be honorable. Respect your elders. For I come through that terrain and spank you. You know, we've lost that because of social media. But some of these people, men and women, that are preaching the gospel to us and are, have been preaching to us for 50, 60 years, have lived honorable lives, we need to respect them even if we don't totally agree with everything they say. As long as they got the cardinal doctrines down right. Right? I mean, you know, if they don't believe who Jesus, the, you know, who Jesus is, what the Bible says about Him, then we have to call that out because that's heresy. And the Bible's not very kind to heretics. So we have to call it out. But somebody like that, let's just keep our mouth shut. I heard people, I heard people criticizing Billy Graham. I said, man, when you want as many millions of people as he has to the Lord, then talk. If not, like Gomer said, go up an alley and holler fish. That's off Andy Griffith's show. Gomer said that. Go up an alley and holler fish. And don't come back. Amen. Are we all right tonight? Let's go to one last scripture. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. We'll close right here. See, there has to be this honor. Honor is lacking in America. And we need to get it back. And, and it certainly needs to be in the church. Hallelujah. Now, in Matthew chapter, and like I said, we don't, we don't have to agree on every little thing, you know. Uh, I'm sure if Dr. David Jeremiah and I sat down together, there's going to be things in the Bible we don't agree on. I don't know what his beliefs are on some things. I don't know. But I do know what he's preaching, and I do know he's an honorable man of God. And I do happen to know, you know, this little squirt didn't have any business critiquing him. And I wasn't very happy about it at the time, but I couldn't get to him. And I thought, boy, if I could, I'd slap your face. <laughs> In love, of course. I'm, t <laughs> I'm having some fun, all right. No, but you know what? We just need to learn some things just to keep our mouth shut and honor. Amen. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, 
Jesus said again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found, he hides, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant seeking goodly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now he says this is the way we're to treat the kingdom like it's so valuable that we'll sell everything we have. We'll give all we have to have that treasure. Think about this. If you knew there was a field by your place where you live at, there was a field out there and you knew, you knew there was something valuable under the ground. Oil, gold, diamonds, worth millions of dollars. And that field was for sale for $125,000. But you don't have $125,000. How many believe some way or another you'd come up with it? That was pretty weak, but I'm telling you, I would find it. Phyllis's 40 pairs of shoes may be gone. But we are going to sell everything we got to buy that field. Why? Because it's valuable. I know there's value in it. And it's worth the effort. Right? I mean, it'd be a stretch to try to come up with that. I don't know how I would do it, 125000 I'm not sure, but I guarantee you I'd be doing it if I knew that was valuable. That's the way Jesus said we're to treat the kingdom, give everything we got for it because it's valuable. The things of God are valuable. Now, you know, I don't, I don't say this, you know, because I'm a pastor, but I, I, but I do want to say this because I think it's important that people really realize that God is moving in when sometimes we don't even realize He's moving. You know, sometimes you well, why is pastor preaching on that? Well, you don't know, do you? Because I, sometimes I don't know, but God knows. And Jesus said this in Revelation. He said, he said I, I'm He that, you know, that, that uh, you know, walks through the seven golden candlesticks and has the seven stars in my right hand. And then He explained what He meant, what they were. He said, the seven golden candlesticks are the churches. The seven stars are the angels of the churches. Now, you have to interpret that the right way because he goes on and says, he told John to write to the angel of the church at Ephesus. Well, how many know he can't be talking about a literal angel? See, that word there where it says angel, it also is the word messenger. So, you could translate it angel, you could translate it messenger. Well, we know he's not writing, John's not writing a letter to an angel. There's just no way. He's writing to the, the, the angels aren't responsible for what goes on in the local church. There's no angel going to answer for what's going on in this church. I'm going to, right? Because I am the messenger to the church. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Listen, I've studied this out enough that I actually, listen to this, this will, this, will, this will blow your mind. But you remember when Jesus was up on the hill look, overlooking Jerusalem and he said, if you'd only known in your day what was happening. I'm just paraphrasing. He says, but the time's going to come when they're going to encompass you about 
He's talking about what was going to happen in 70 AD. And, you know, they're, they're, going to, they're going to destroy you, level you to the ground, you and your children, because you knew not the time of your visitation. Interesting thing, the word visitation is the same word Paul uses in 1 Timothy chapter 3. If any man desires the office of a bishop, you can look it up. That Greek word is translated in other places in the Bible, bishop. He could have easily been saying, because you didn't know your bishop had arrived. Here's the thing. If a church has a true godly pastor that hears from the Spirit of God, Every Sunday morning when he or she gets in that pulpit, you're about to get a message from God. How you treat it will be what you receive. Remember Jesus said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Does that mean that person behind that pulpit's infallible? No, absolutely not. But God is using them to bring forth a message. They are the angel to the church, the messenger to the church. They'll be, they'll, they're the ones that are responsible on judgment day for what went on in the church. Not you, not anybody else. That pastor will be. Amen. What would happen if every service we came and we weren't familiar with this. You know, well, we, I, I understand things can get routine. I, I understand. But you got to shake that off of you. I understand. I, hey, how long do you think I've been coming here preaching to you? Right? I understand you've been listening to me. This, this Sunday will be 28 years you've been listening to me. You've heard every story I have that I can remember. <laughs> I may have some I haven't remembered yet, right? It's pretty easy, if you don't watch it, to get familiar with that. And when that happens, I'm done. I can no longer minister to you, just like Jesus could in his hometown. But we got to come expecting. Amen. God's going to speak to me. No, pastor may not be perfect, but God uses him. God sent him. God anointed him. God gifted him. Amen. And he's going to have a message for me this morning from the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get messages we like. Sometimes we get messages we boo. But not every message from God. You know, God, as many as he loves, I mean, no, he rebukes, right? Man, I've had... I, <laughs> You know, I've had all kinds of messages over the years preached at me, you know. And, uh, but God knows what we need. Amen. 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 You know, uh, Dr. Anna, choir practitioner, I'm sure that she doesn't, I'm sure she makes people feel better, but I'm sure in the process she makes them miserable sometimes. <laughs> right? I, I had a friend, and I'm closing my head, years ago. Uh, 
I haven't seen him in years. He was a choir practitioner. And, you know, I mean, I'm 20. I mean, I'm in good, good health, good shape. But he just decided, let me give you an adjustment. Man, I didn't know, I thought my head would fall off. I, I mean, it's snapping, popping, crack. I mean, I'm, it's like, what's that cereal? That Rice Krispie stuff. I'm thinking, this can't be good for you. But, you know, after he was done, I felt better. That's the way God's Word is. Sometimes it'll pop you, it'll, it'll slap you, but it'll make you better. Hallelujah. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit myoasischurch.com. Thanks for listening.